God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcus Ortega, and as always, I am joined by the gracious Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. A little tired, been running around, um, you know, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Uh, We are actually hosting the big family Thanksgiving this year. That's insane. Uh, That's absolutely insane to me. My yeah, my husband's family. He's so he is the oldest of six siblings, and Thanksgiving has always been a big deal um, for them. And the different siblings host, um, you know, the dinner. And so this year it's our turn. But that I I actually suggested it, you know, and and I I tend to do these things. I say, oh yeah, let me do that. And then when I'm in the middle of prepping, I'm like, oh, why did I do that? That's it, man. It's woo. I've I've hosted Thanksgivings before, and I when we host, I do all the cooking for the family, uh, and uh, so I, I I cook the turkey, I cook all the sides, and then if we're hosting, people then bring stuff, right? Um, but oh my goodness, it is a chore when you start to get like up towards the 10 12 15 20 people coming over yeah. that's an intense job you got ahead of you 19 plus us Woo-hoo-hoo. and i should say All 19 right. and a half because there is a little baby involved so oh well, that's just gonna be fun 19 and that's a just half. gonna be a good time but fortunately i am only cooking two sides okay and two we have we have two turkeys and the two sides and then we have more sides coming um, but it's, you know, it's just all of the, all, all of the prep work that's involved in making one, making sure your house is clean enough <laughs> that you fact. actually have enough plates for people to no eat on question. because there's nothing like, oh, here's all this fabulous food. Oh, you have to eat it off the table. <laughs> no, paper plates, plates, man. Uh-uh. <laughs> there comes a point where I'm just like, everybody gets a paper plate. I'm not playing around with this. Paper plates for everybody. I'm not doing all those dishes afterwards. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I've just been cooking all day. No. Paper plates for everybody. Solo cups. <laughs> There you want go. some wine with your meal? Here's a solo cup. Here's a, oh, goodness. That's it. Wine in a solo cup. <laughs> I'm cringing over here. <laughs> so so what is uh on the on the Spencer Thanksgiving table, what is the like Lisa Spence, Spencer special that will always be there? Like every Thanksgiving you've gotta have this food. Mac and cheese. And mac and cheese That's mine too. As I say, made the people's way. You know, you have okay. to do it right. Don't be putting like you know funny stuff in it, like vegetables. Uh, <laughs> don't cook. You know, if it's cooked on the stove, it's not mac and cheese. I'm sorry, it's got to come out of the oven. 
So, okay. yeah. So, and, and, and here's one I added a few years ago. Um, now, I've never, I, for a long time, just not been a fan of green bean casserole because like, boring, right? Blah and boring. Well, a few it's years ago, bad, but all right. a few years ago, I found a recipe that I'm like, I looked at it, I'm like, I can get with this because it includes mushrooms and garlic and bacon and cheese. And I I made that thing. I'm like, look at here. This is going down every Thanksgiving now. So that has that's been my second. Come side on, dish. I mean, if you're adding bacon, you add bacon to anything, and it's a stunner of a dish already. Like it's just right. added bacon, right? <laughs> so I I also do a mac and cheese every year, and um, I don't actually do it in the oven. I do it in the slow cooker. Oh. And I just let it just cook basically in a crock pot mm -hmm. for hours. It just kind of sits oh. in there and slowly cooks and, uh, you know, handful. The, but all it is, I mean, it is pretty, like, basic mac and cheese. I don't add stuff into it either. It's cheese and macaroni. It's called mac and cheese. It doesn't have to get all fancy with extra things. So, yeah, no, I okay. love a good mac and cheese on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then... Um, my mom, she does not enjoy just straight cranberry sauce. I hate cranberry so, sauce, to be honest. All right. Well, so then this might be a, a little bit of a way to, to try something different with the cranberry sauce. Is I take the, the thing of cranberry sauce, like the weird out of a can, like a kind of a sound when it yeah. comes out. Um, and then I uh, mix that in with red jello. And chop in Granny Smith apples to add some tartness, hmm. and it actually it, it it gets away from like being punchy in the back of the mouth, sweet. Yeah. Like there's a the, the tartness of the somehow the, the cranberry sauce is so sweet that somehow when you add Jello it chills it out a little bit. <laughs> oh wow, Jello! So, and what Jello? What Jello do you use? Just like a you know, if you can find a cranberry Jello, that's perfect. But normally just a, any kind of a red Jello, like a raspberry or something like that, just a. Okay. Just like a Jello packet, you know the the powder stuff. So, uh -huh. uh, yeah, that's 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 very interesting. Well, I'm I'm going to get some cans, you know, because I know some folks like to get traditional with the cranberry sauce. But I already told you know. Well, actually, I didn't tell them. I told them I don't stuff birds. Like there's something like not right about putting the stuffing in the cavity of the bird. I don't. No, I cook it on the side. I cook so it next to it. I'm like it's pan dressing. Um, which I've never made from scratch. So actually, my two of the, oh. the, yeah. So we're actually going to make that when they get here because I got the Pepperidge right. Farm. I'm like, I'm not trying to serve you all stovetop, but if it's left to me, that's what you get because I've never made stuff <laughs> from scratch. So yeah, I mean, it's you know, and for me, you know, because you know how I am about food, right? Yeah. yeah. I and and to me, it's like if I'm serving people consumables like i want it to be good right yeah and yeah. so yeah so i'm starting to feel that pressure but then you know my trying to keep my um perfectionist tendencies mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. at bay and say you know what if i if i don't get something quite right it, it's okay even though it's my first thanksgiving with the family but no pressure man first thanksgiving with the family yeah no pressure at least you're gonna do okay it's gonna be great <laughs> And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about how it went. Um, and, uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving, Lisa, because yeah, we won't see each other for a little bit. I'll explain that in a second. But uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. And same to you and your family. I assume you get together with your mom. 
This year, no. This year, actually, she's going to stay in Arizona, and uh, we're going to try and get together with some friends down in Philly. Oh, and okay. So that's uh, we're actually for the first time in a while. I'm going to travel on Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, and I won't be cooking a Thanksgiving dinner. I'll, I'll do a couple side dishes. So, uh, which I'm not actually all that mad about. I, I you know don't mind. It, yeah, go not ahead. having to do it. If, yeah, if, if that's all it is, is making a couple side dishes, that is infinitely easier. That's and it, and the house thing. where we're, the house where we're going. I mean, the dude can cook, cook like he is Ooh. really good. So I'm, I'm gonna bring my little crock pot of mac and cheese and just be there happy. That's it. Um, so just a heads up for folks who are listening. Um, want to let you know that we're gonna be taking a couple of weeks off through the Advent season. Um, we have a really important couple conversations coming up, especially around topics like gender and sexuality. And we want to make sure that they really don't get lost in the insanity of Advent. But we also um, want Advent to be about Advent. And so we're going to really take a break here so that folks are focused on what we're supposed to be focused on, which is anticipating the return of Christ and celebrating the first coming of Christ. And so, um, you know, a family discussion is going to take a little bit of a break. We will be back in the new year. So this is actually our last episode until the beginning of January. Um, But we are doing this just to, to be a part of the Christian calendar and say, hey, we're all focusing on the same thing. Um, for Christians, our new year is next week. It's the, the sun, first Sunday of Advent is the Christian new year. Let's start the new year off by focusing on Advent, doing what we're supposed to be doing and remembering Christ. And then we'll get to some of these other conversations in the new year. So Lisa, anything else to add before we get into our conversation today? No, just, I, you said it perfectly in terms of our priorities, because I think, and especially for those of us who are, more active and engaged on social media um you know i mean we social media can really distract it can really disrupt your priorities you know if you let it like you have to be i'm finding like you have to be really intentional about how you use social media even how even just scroll like passively scrolling um because you can just get so sucked in to various arguments and then you have to ask the question i saw saw somebody post this the other day like it's you know does asking the question does it have eternal value um and just being able to make those kind of decisions um but it's so easy to get to get sucked in and then if you you know somebody says something you disagree with and look i'm not trying to get into it when i hate twitter um debates just because of the limitation of the, you know, the 280 characters. And then I start losing the comments. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm responding to anymore. Right. So (laughs) I try not to get on those in those debates. Those things are so tough, but it's, it's tough and it can be toxic. And um, I actually have been a little bit, the past few days have been kind of laid back, laid off of social media a little bit. Um, you know, because I'm just like, I, you know, well, well, one is because I'm prepping for Thanksgiving, you know, and then there's work, but, um, you know, but sometimes I just, it concerns me the way that social media can influence our thinking and influence how we, it, it influences our filter, right? 
how we view and understand situations, how we view and, um, you know, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so I, I'm actually glad we're taking the break and, you know, keeping the, the main thing, the main thing, you know, and make sure that Advent, like you said, Advent is yeah. Advent. So I have absolutely nothing to add. Amen. Amen. Um, so to, to close off, this year really for uh for family discussion what we're going to do today is we are going to um talk about a current event issue we did this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the virginia election and we're looking at something that's happening in current events that actually maps directly on to the conversation we've been having out of genesis 1 and genesis 2 so um there has been if you've been uh watching what's going on in the world a lot of conversation about climate change, the environment, um, the UN held a massive climate summit in uh, in Scotland uh, a couple weeks ago. That was really all the major leaders in the world getting together and saying, "What are we going to do about climate change? What is our approach to this?" Um, and then something remarkable happened in September that really turned my head, and, and I hope turned a lot of Christians' heads. For the first time in a thousand years, I mean, literally the first time in a thousand years, the Pope and the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church spoke jointly. They said the same thing together. And this has not happened since the Great Schism. And so um, when those two speak together about an issue, it should make all of us go, oh, wow. That's really interesting. Also included in this was the Archbishop of Canterbury, who is the head of the Church of England. Mm -hmm. So three massive figures in the the broad global Little C Catholic Church got together and put out a joint message for the protection of creation. And what struck me about this, Lisa, and I don't know if you may have any thoughts about this, but what struck me is that this was the issue that got them all to speak together. And that that really made me go, wow, that's of all the things that have happened in the world, especially just, you know, a thousand years is a long time. Let's bring it just to the last hundred years. So much is happening for the first time. The Catholic, uh, the, the Pope, the head of the Catholic Church and the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church for the first time that uh, he's he's called, by the way, the uh, ecumenical patriarch. Okay. Um the, the heads of these churches speak together for the first time, and it's about the climate. It's about creation. And that's really remarkable to me. I don't know, Lisa, if you have any thoughts about that. Like, of all the issues, this one um, is a surprise to me that this is what gets them all talking together. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. I don't... Um, I haven't really invested a lot of... Um, time, energy into understanding the climate change issue. But here's what I do know in consideration of the broader context of what we're talking about, right? The, you know, we're talking about the doctrine of man, doctrine of creation, and the fact that if we're looking at Genesis 1 to 2, that, um, you know, that God made this creation good. He placed man and woman over it. Uh, with a mandate, right, to take care of it, to have dominion over it, um, to be a good, you know, we can interpret that as being a good steward 
over his good creation um, to be fruitful and multiply. Right. And so in our in past episodes, we talked about, you know, well, what does that mean in application to our, our world in 2021? So there ought to be, I think, a, a mindfulness of what, you know, of how we how, you know, how we do take care of this, you know, of this universe of, of God's creation. Unfortunately, I've seen this topic so politicized that to take a stand or to, you know, to have an interest, to take a position on caring about this issue automatically punch you to the left. And I'm asking, well, does it necessarily have to be that way? Right? Because if we're because we're supposed to be first and foremost filtering um our um you know just filtering things through scripture, right? And how that applies to um you know to to uh operating in this world. And so if it's, you know, if there are, if, if there are elements, if there are things going on that are causing harm, then why would we not want to pay attention to that? Now, if there's debate over the science of climate change, that's, you know, that's a whole different story. But what I have seen is just being attentive to the topic itself automatically put, oh, this is an issue on, of the left. Like, no, we have to think, what is an issue for Christians, right? Amen. Regardless of what Amen. what your, um, you know, partisan leanings are. So that that's something that's kind of bothered me about, um, you know, about the way that this particular topic is addressed. Again, I haven't, you know, I just haven't invested enough time to know, you know, one is, you know, is the, is the science reliable? How much of, how much of an issue is this really? Um, that it, you know, that it, it, it does impact, um, how, you know, does impact the world, doesn't impact our environment. Um, I, you know, I do know, I try to be mindful in my own context about, you know, about how I care for things. You know, I'm even one of those people that will cut up the, you know, the uh, the, the six-pack plastic yeah, holders. Yeah, yeah. Amen. There you go. You know, yeah. cut it up just yeah. because there's, you know, possibility of, you know, some little dolphin, um, you know, starving yeah. to death. Like, I can't, I can't have that. Um, so, you know, so little, you know, so little things we can do in our own context, I think, are good. Again, it's not a matter of taking a political position, but just asking the question, like, you know, how, how can I care for the world that around well, me? Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things I appreciated about this uh, statement that came out uh, from these three heads in the in the Christian church. The, so the the statement is split into really three major sections. There's a little introductory couple paragraphs, but the first one is the importance of sustainability. That's the title of it, but it's really about stewardship. And I'm going to just read um, a little bit of uh, one of these paragraphs just to give us a bit of a flavor of this section. The concept of stewardship, of individual and collective responsibility for our God-given endowment, 
presents a vital starting point for social, economic, and environmental sustainability. In the New Testament, we read of the rich and foolish man who stores great wealth of grain while forgetting about his finite end. We learn of the prodigal son who takes his inheritance early only to squander it and end up hungry. We are cautioned against adopting short-term and seemingly inexpensive options of building on sand instead of building on rock for our common home to withstand storms. These stories invite us to adopt a broader outlook and recognize our place in the extended story of humanity. Now, of course, there's also Christological implications of these stories as well, right? But I think what's interesting here is stewardship is a theme that carries not just from Genesis 2, and they do quote from Genesis 2 quite a bit in this statement. But really, you see the principle of stewardship throughout the the scriptures and particularly in the parables of jesus christ the 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 parable of the man who's building storehouses and says, i'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones mm-hmm. um is a story of somebody who's not stewarding what he's been given well and the way we use stewardship sometimes is oh well it's all about hoarding and protecting and keeping what's mine no stewardship is using using mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. you know the the um, parable of the treasures, the talents, the guy who doesn't use it is the guy who is cast out, right? He's the one who buries his talent in the ground. Um, So I I think what's interesting about stewardship, it is about proper use. Mm -hmm. It's not about not using, right? So this may create a bit of a difference between a Christian approach to creation care and how some of our neighbors who maybe are led by more of a strict materialism uh, a strong even ev- evolutionary perspective. We say we shouldn't use the planet at all. We should. Be, we are a. There are some who go so far as to say that humanity on the earth is the problem. You right. know, and you get to some really bizarre things are coming out. And so the Christian view of creation care will strongly diverge from that because it's about proper use. But proper use is key, and there's a difference between proper use that's for the good of humanity and the good of creation. And a, a an abuse of the creation that gives a short-term gain to humanity, but long-term disastrous consequences, which I'll get into here in a second. But um, these parables, Lisa, and the, con- the, the concept of stewardship, I've always heard stewardship around things like finances. Finances, yeah. Right? Um, you know, this broader understanding of stewardship to include our our caring for the earth, is that an appropriate expansion or are these, are the, the Pope and, and the bishop and um, the patriarch, are they overreading here? You know, I think, and I think this, this points to um, another phenomenon that we've had to contend with in particularly in American evangelicalism in terms of a, a disconnect from, you know, from the material world. And I want to, I'm not going to go so far as to call agnostic, but you know, that the emphasis has been on personal salvation, on personal piety. Right. right? It's got a sense of Gnosticism. It, like it a, has it, a sense. You know, I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to be yeah. gracious here. You introduced yeah. me to being gracious. I'm not, trying to be charitable it, here. There's like a, you, you catch a whiff of it. You catch as a whiff you, of as, it. Yeah. Yeah. And so there were, I mean, you know, the theological underpinnings that were at work, I would say maybe at towards the end of the 19th century, 
um, that really, especially when you have this, you know, uh, this theological liberalism that, you know, is coming down the pike through the universities, and then you have the, the fun, you know, the development of the fundamentalist movement, which was rightly challenging what was going on in, you know, in these institutions, but at the same time, there was a, a dualism kind of created, right? That we're, what we're going to really focus on is the spiritual and not the material because the folks that are doing the social gospel, right? They're the ones that are focused on the material. And so you have this, you have this disconnect. Whereas if we are, you know, I think if we are being faithful in, in looking at the, what is the whole counsel of God? have to say about how, you know, how we live in this world as those who are redeemed, that we have to think really holistically. And I'll tell you what, you know, and I was on, I was on that dualistic track, but I'll tell you what, one book, and I didn't agree with everything, and I know he gets a bad rap, but one book that, that is really reor, that really reoriented um, my view of you know, of just really having a more holistic um, approach to our, you know, to to orthopraxy is um, surprised by hope by N.T. Wright. Um, Wonderful and, book. And he does, and he does talk about the development of how you know of of how how we've gotten this disconnect. Um, I think that Mark Knoll in his um, you know, in his book, what's what is like twenty five years old now? Um, Scandal of the Evangelical Mind. Um, you know, he addresses these, you know, these underpinnings and how we got to where we are. Um, and especially now with the, you know, with the social justice debates, um, I think one tendency, particularly for those, and I would include myself in this, for those who have an issue of, or, you know, take issue of how we are addressing justice, right, in a way that's kind of punting a little bit too much to secular theories and not enough, uh, not enough through scripture. Um, you know, you can take that to the extreme of saying, well, if, you know, if you address this material world, right under the banner of justice, then you're automatically punting to this troublesome aspect. And that's not necessarily the case. And this is where I think we really need to be thoughtful and be discerning about what does it mean? Because I think one thing that you hit on, right, about the about the care of this world, it's not for us, right? Under stewardship, it is for the good of others, right? And that's how that's how we have to think about that. And I think even the parables that Jesus points to, you know, it, it has that underlying theme. It's not so we can have material goodness, right? But it what what will make for um you know for thriving in this environment. Right. And and it's what's interesting about um, this idea of stewarding for others, um, this is one of the things that has put climate change um, and, and the idea of creation care 
much more to the forefront of my mind is the way that we're starting to see climate change affect populations. Um, we're starting to see island nations who are wondering if their islands are going to be around in a few years because ocean levels continue to rise at dramatic rates. Um, we are seeing extreme weather events where people are dying and um, the scientists are able to draw a line from the, the not the fact that they exist, but the um, rapid recurrence mm -hmm. of these extreme weather events impacting people and killing people is due to the change in climate and then there was a report a couple weeks ago now it's maybe even been a month on abc news um where david muir at uh he's kind of he's the guy who's their main anchor on abc news he went to um southern madagascar and he was spending time with the people who were living there and it was one of the most heartbreaking reports that I've seen. Um, it is Madagascar is going through right now a severe drought, mm. like severe drought, the worst drought that, that they've ever seen in the history of Madagascar. Um, the drought has been going on for years now. And um, it's a severe drought for a an effectively an agrarian economy. And so... Um, nobody's getting food mm. everybody is dying and the reason i bring this particular drought up is because according to the un now all right people can send their emails to me about me quoting the un but according to the un this is the first time in human history we've been able to draw a line from climate change to this kind of a famine mm. famine is 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 not new it is not a new thing. There are famines that happen all the time. This is the first time. What is new is that climate change is the direct cause of this famine because an area that was once rich and fertile has seen its climate radically change over the last few years to being much more desert-like and the people who lived on the land are dying. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just, it was a horrifying report that came out. Uh, the UN report came out on the 21st of August, October of this year and you can watch the abc news report as well uh we watched it as a family and uh it was it was a tough it was a tough watch <laughs> but you know i i think there is a human cost when we talk about environmentalism or, or uh climate change or these kinds of things i think there are some christians who say oh well you're really working hard to save the spotted owl well yeah, I mean, there's a part of me, yes, we do want to save the wildlife that is dying because of climate change. Um, but that's not the only reason we're doing this. You know, there is stewarding creation because God loves his creation. He made that spotted owl. Therefore, we should care for that spotted owl. Right. Mm -hmm. But there is a human cost to climate change that we are now starting to see um, in some pretty extreme ways. People are dying. People are suffering because of this. And. It should cause the question in the in the mind of the Christian, how can we help? What should we be doing to mitigate this? Um, what are the things that we should care about to mitigate this? It's a massive question. Climate change can't be taken care of by just a couple of us doing a few things. Like you need all the leaders of the world together to say, how are we going to do this together and tackle this together? So there can be a sense of, um, being overwhelmed and saying, well, what can I do? But I think the first thing we can do is recognize that there is a responsibility 
that Christians have to steward the earth and that climate change is a very real uh, problem that we must be facing together as Christians. Um, this should be an issue to unify us, to get us all concerned, because we are all people who are um, following the God of life. We are people of life. We believe that life is one of the great gifts that God gives his creation, and therefore we should be protecting life. And if climate change is the threat that it is, um, and, and here's the thing that's changed, I've noticed in the conversation. There's still a lot of debate over cause of climate change, mm -hmm. but there's virtually no debate anymore on whether or not climate change is happening. And and that's, that's instructive for us as Christians. It's happening. We can debate about the causes, but it is happening and it's having real world personal human effects. And we ought to think about ways that we can take this seriously and ask those questions. Um, and, and I don't know, Lisa, as you think of the church in our role, what are some, what are some things that the church has at its disposal? Like we can't create laws. We're, we're, we're the church. Um, but we, we're not powerless in this. Um, so what are some of the things that we have at our disposal to to really lean into as Christians as we hear these reports of the human capital of climate change. Right. And I think I and I think that just explaining it that way, you know, the mm. the impact to, you know, to life, the, you know, the human cost. Um I think if it if nothing else right now, it's just bring, it's bringing awareness, right? I don't know yeah. what the yeah. concrete applications are. Although I will tell you a cool little story. I, I saw sometimes we watch um, the PBS News Hour, and there was yeah. a, a segment a few weeks ago of a scientist who created this white paint, and the and you know of course white reflects light, but then what happens with your commercial white paint? is that it gets so it absorbs some heat and then that goes off into the atmosphere well he's created a white paint that actually cools it creates a cooling effect. wow so it kind of reverses that you know really that cool. transmission process and i thought that was cool because here's one one individual just thinking about well what can i how can i do my part right yes um, yes. And I think it's it, it's asking it's asking those questions. So, you know, what what can the church do? I, I think at a minimum awareness. Right. OK. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean, you know, OK, now now it, and the danger is, I think, is it, because it's so associated so highly associated it's politicized right so it's high, so highly associated with the democratic party and it's like okay now go and you know and take in and write your senators and write your representatives about um you know x y and z initiative although i understand the the um the package that just passed the house yeah um, there yeah. was some um initiatives in there um, that addressed that addressed climate change. So, um, you know, but I think that there are ways in our own in you know our own environment 
right that we can you know pay it that we can pay attention to because what you know when you think about how, well how is this affecting things globally then you know then it's like then it feels overwhelming right yes i mean yes. we're disconnected from madagascar right right and it and it could be and it could be just you know showing the documentary right Seeing, it's it's showing those, the yes. impact on people so I, I think awareness is key. It's one of the things I appreciated about uh, the three heads of these churches doing this is it was to bring awareness. It was to say, hey, we are we are the heads of major Christian churches around the world, and we're saying this matters, this is important. And it really was a letter written to the UN to say you need to consider these things well and you mm -hmm. need to come up with some solutions. Um, and I'm not the Pope. I can't bring awareness to the UN that way, right? Um, but... It is a topic that I think in our churches we do need to consider a little bit. We need to talk about um, what it, what does it mean for us to uh, actively live out creation care. Um, it, there's some simple things. Do, does your church recycle? Um, or is your church looking for ways to cut down on paper? Right. So um, churches are paper factories. They are constantly churning out reams of paper things like bulletins and um the different lessons that can be done that are that are done on paper and handed out in sunday school classes and stuff like that you know what are some creative ways we can be thinking how do we not use paper how do we use something else something that's renewable something reusable you know um, you know there's there's always a catch-22 right you say oh well, let's go to all electric yeah but then as as electric goes up that's burning more fossil fuels because fossil fuels are what is contributing to making sure that the electric grid stays up um a really disturbing report on a news show that i saw a couple weeks ago uh, about the state of the electrical grid and there's this move a hard push to say we need to move to to electric cars the challenge that we have ahead of us is that the current electric grid mm -hmm. may not be able to sustain a mass shift mm -hmm. to electric vehicles, um, which is going to cause major problems <laughs> if all of a sudden we all we all move over to electric vehicles, but now we can't charge them anymore because the grid couldn't handle the amount of charging stations required. There are some serious questions that have to be asked. So here's the thing. Awareness is one. I think the second thing we can do and we must be doing is we ought to be praying about this. Um, as churches and as Christians, we ought to be praying uh, for our leaders. This is part of what it is to pray for those elected officials or those appointed officials um, who God has placed in authority over us. We're praying for their good and we're praying that they would, um, with the wisdom God gives them, rule with with justice and with mercy and with love and follow Christ. Uh, that These are the things we're praying. We ought to be praying that they are um, thoughtfully and wisely coming up with answers to the climate change challenge. Um, I do think that prayer is always a huge tool for the church on the issues that are far beyond us. Um, we tend to go to, uh, we tend to go from awareness to activism and we skip the prayer right in the right. middle there. Um, and so I, I think once we become aware that there's a problem, we must immediately begin praying about that problem. Um, and and it, this is really for all the massive issues of our day, massive issues like like the abortion crisis that we're facing as a country, mm -hmm. um, 
this is an issue that is there's activism you can do there's there's organizations to support but really it's not going to end unless you're praying right this is it, it is going it's a massive thing that must be prayed down i think this is also one of those it's too big for us it's not too big for god we ought to be praying about this as churches mm-hmm. and as christians and yes asking the question then what are the things i can do mm-hmm. in my own life what are the changes i should make um now lisa uh, this is um a- an interesting question maybe because we do come to economics from different places mm-hmm. you and i if good climate policy or let's bring it to the household if good environmental decisions that we make as our families things that are good for the environment are not necessarily good economic decisions Mm -hmm. for our family so things cost more or we have to use less of some things that we would like to have Mm -hmm. how do we balance the economic and and environmental questions personally in our own households you know, uh, that's a great question because as you were speaking, I was also thinking about the role of business and particularly manufacturing and what, you know, that, how that plays out in the economy. Um, you know, I am, I, I am a capitalist. I, I believe strongly in a capitalist. Oh, so system. am I. Let's be clear, just because there are people who have made accusations, I am also, in fact, (laughs) a capitalist. (laughs) Um, I I think that it's just good for, I think it's good for the economy. But at the same time, corporations, um, I I also strongly advocate for corporations um, having social responsibility, right? And particularly those, um, you know, those types of products that put, you know, chemicals and, um, you know, da- you know, dangerous elements out into, into the air, right? There has to be a responsibility. I mean, just look at, you know, where you have the kind of lawsuits where there's um, an impact and usually it is in lower, you know, socioeconomic neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, where, you know, where people contract cancer, um, because there is a lack of responsibility, um, in this manufacturing process. So, um, you know, so it is a double-edged sword. I, I think we want those businesses. We want, um, you know, we want manufacturing. We want the things that produce the products for us to be able to you know to have a fruitful life and we want the jobs and the jobs so right that the and that's all part of that's for, all part right? of the yeah. package that's all part all of the in. package that's all wrapped in and so we do want that because i think sometimes folks can go to the stream in you know and just boo down you know boo down uh the corporations like okay but you understand what this contributes to you know to how how we live right um, people have jobs. You have your products, right? Um, and and there's always an inner, you know, interconnectivity. So you look at one corporation. Well, there there's an interdependency on other businesses. Um, and so there's like you don't have that. There's this domino effect that will greatly. You're talking about human cost. Um, that greatly impacts human costs. And so there is, there does have to be this balance of how much do you, 
regulate. I am I, I am in favor of minimal regulation, um, but at the same time, you want, and particularly related to this topic, you want there to be sufficient regulation so there is a there is some social responsibility. Well, and it's it's really really tough because. Um, you know, if if you regulate a a corporation out of existence, um, you have affected all of those livelihoods of those homes. However, some of these corporations, especially in the worlds of manufacturing, power production, stuff like that, are causing such incredible damage to the environment that families on the other side of the world who are not contributing, one of the things that was really unnerving about the the Southern Madagascar report is they contribute 0.01% of the emissions that are causing climate change. They are not the, they're not the ones who are doing this. They're not China, they're not India, they're not the United States, and yet they're the ones who are suffering the cost. And so there is this the church is inherently global nations are inherently going to be concerned about the national interest mm -hmm. and so this becomes part of the tension that we have to wrestle with is who suffers and that's an incredibly difficult thing and that's why we have to go to the lord and say lord we want answers so that none suffer because that's that's what we want in this world of sin which we're going to be talking about for a whole like half of the year coming up Suffering is inevitable. It is a part of the human experience. However, we are to be praying against it. We ought to be praying for relief. We have to be praying for mercy, particularly for those who don't cause a problem and yet are the victims of that mm -hmm. problem really hitting hard. So I, I agree. Corporations really have to be um, thinking about this, and there are ways to encourage corporations to be thinking about this. I think in the home... We should really, um, when we're balancing economics and environmental concerns, right? Um, one of the things that I'm struck by is that we are given certain resources to use for the good of others. And I, we, one of those resources we're giving is our finances. And when we talk about tithing, for example... We talk, we use the, the saying of Jesus that where your treasure is, your heart is also, right? Mm -hmm. And this is part of one of the things, that's one of the things that sit with us say, I care about the work of the kingdom. I care about the work of the local church. Therefore, I am tithing to the local church. I am, I am giving back to the Lord from what he has given to me. And I wonder if there is a similar principle here. If we are, as Genesis 2 people, blessed by God to do the work of the creation mandate. Yes, impacted by the fall. Yes, having to wrestle with what the fall has done in our own hearts and in the world. But still, that blessing to do the creation mandate remains through the fall and beyond. If that's true, then our heart should be for the proper care of our creation and our treasure should reflect that. And so I, I think it's a helpful thing for us to be thinking as families, when I look at my budget, do I see where my heart is when it comes mm. to the creation, right? So it's one of the questions that I ask around. I, I, second time I'm bringing up the issue of abortion because my wife works in a, in a crisis pregnancy center. Um, you know, it's, it's people who talk a lot about really caring about abortion. One of the questions I, I ask is, show me from your budget that your heart's there. Mm. Are, are you actually 
involved. You don't have to be like a monthly giver, but where's the where's the financial input mm -hmm. to this anti-abortion fight? Um, same with an issue like immigration. Any of these issues, where's the where is the treasure proof that your heart is there? And um, I think this is another area where we just have to ask the question. It can be in our in our grocery budget where we say, you know what, in, instead of buying this cheaper thing that's not reusable, I'm going to buy the reusable thing because it's better for the environment. Or instead of buying the designer clothes off the rack, mm -hmm. I'm going to buy secondhand from the Goodwill because that's better for the environment. Like these are th there's these things that we should be asking. Is it reflected in with our treasure, I think is a fair question. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I can see that. So Lisa, we're about to take this break and we're going to be studying Advent. And I wonder, we, we are worshiping a king who has come to establish a new heavens and a new earth. Mm -hmm. um, this is what he will do in his second coming. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, how does that truth that he is going to return and he will make all things new. Mm -hmm. How should that impact mm -hmm. our thinking of creation care and our, our press in to care for the environment around us? Because that's, that should be a theological thing that has some impact, I would think. Well, I mean, here's what we shouldn't do. Well, he's going to come fix it anyway, so we don't need to worry about it. Right? Uh, oh, I've heard that, man. I've heard it. Yeah, it just, you know? I, I don't think that's a really, I don't think that's a really good attitude, personally. Probably not. Probably not. Um, you know, it's as as I said before. Yeah, redeemed people act redemptively. Um, are we going to transform society? No, but shouldn't we, in the interest of doing good works? right, of people whose eyes are opened to what started in Genesis 1 and what Jesus will restore when he comes back. And with that in mind, ask the question, what can I do in the here and now that might make life a little bit better, that might give a nod to that eschatological hope? Mm, amen. And you know what? That's a perfect way to end this episode. Thank you, Lisa, for diving into what what is, as you said, too often a partisan and politicized conversation, but really is more of a, a Christian kingdom ethic conversation that goes from Genesis 1 and 2 really all the way to the return of Christ where he makes all things new. That eschatological hope, we are... Um, looking towards it in every aspect of our lives and that also includes our approach to issues like climate change and and the work of creation care so lisa have a wonderful advent i hope that you enjoy all that advent has to offer yes and i'm actually singing in the advent choir oh this nice it's a it's a choral it's it's acapella choral um music which i haven't done since high school although i was in the choir in my last church but we didn't do acapella but it was more choral type music so okay. it's been a yeah my husband was in it last year and there was a call put out uh that she needed the director needed more women i'm like okay you don't have to twist my arm 
Right. There it is. <laughs> so, oh, how been, fun. It's been a blast. Yeah. So, um, so, so the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we'll, you know, as, you know, as that is the Sunday that kicks off Advent, um, that will be our, our first, um, I don't want to call it a performance because it's worship, right? Um, That's beautiful. But it's, Wonderful. It's, yeah. So it's right, it's right after, it's right at the beginning of service. Um, awesome. And I know they sounded fabulous last year. And so I just hope that we sound as, it, you know, some of the, some of the, it's some of the same members are still there. Um, and then some different ones some new ones like myself. Uh, but it's really, it, you know, it's been work, but it's been, it's been fun. And so I can't wait to, to be able to, um, you know, to do that during the seven season. Wow, that's wonderful. Enjoy that. I'm sure you're going to sound absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, well, enjoy your Advent, and uh, we'll be enjoying ours up here in New York. And we hope that all of you who listen to Family Discussion will also have a wonderful Advent, and that the return of Christ and the first coming of Christ would be ever-present, the forefront of your mind over these next few weeks as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. We'll see you again in the new year. And until then, that is all from us here at Family Discussion. We'll see you next time. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion.